Welcome back everyone to another year 2022 and it's another episode of Pats Uncovered. We're back again this year. I'm really really excited for the year ahead and all the different podcasts. So yeah, Pats Uncovered is a podcast where we talk about untraditional pathways into technology and that's been the main focus but I think this year we're going to kind of expand that out maybe to traditional paths or even people have taken the traditional paths and like pivoted away from it in the future in their careers. So yeah, Brace yourselves for a whole range of everything this year, but today is an untraditional path into tech. And she's the first one I've like recording this year with, so it's a great way to ease myself back into it because she's perfect for this as well. Like it's gonna be really, really good chat. So I've got Millie Schmidt with me. Hello. Um, and she's also based in fabulous Melbourne, so we're getting along and this is perfect. And I think at one stage I was contemplating doing like in-person recordings of these. Um, and then I was like, no, like why the effort of doing that? No one wants to leave their house and do this. And also this makes everything so much easier. I get more people signed on to doing this this way. So this is much better. But how are we doing, Millie? Do you want to do a quick intro to yourself? And yeah, let us know who you are. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. Um, I am... <laughs> how do you describe yourself quickly? Um, I work in tech. I most recently was... Um, director of product at Usability Hub um, and uh, probably very appropriately for this podcast I do all sorts of things. I was once a dev and then I was a designer and now I work pretty much as a, a manager so I work in, in kind of management leadership strategy roles um, and I've done research and I've done uh, all sorts of all sorts of things. So I um, I do work with I work with tech companies. I'm a technical person. Um, I work a lot with startups um, and and now increasingly kind of bigger teams as well. And I like making things. And I also like helping other people make things. So I um yeah, <clears throat> I'm just a person who asks a lot of questions and um and a person who uses a lot of post-it notes. Oh my god, stop! I literally this. <laughs> I couldn't start this year. I was just like, so many things in the back of my brain at the same time of like, oh, I need to do this and then this and then this and it just keeps piling up. And I bought myself a magnetic like whiteboard and I created like yeah. a magnetic Kanban board because post-its just kept falling down for me. I don't know how those go for you. But anytime I put them up on a wall, they're down within two hours and it just wrecks my brain that I'm like, all my brain dump just out the window. Yeah. Very sad. But yeah. yeah, I completely feel on the post-its. Um, and I think, I mean, um. A whole like I think we did 20 episodes last year and every single time I don't think I ever narrowed down how to do a proper introduction um, and I don't think I ever will to be honest because everyone's so different and unique that I'm like you know what you take this intro whichever way you like whether it's short or long I'm not fussed about it at all. <laughs> yeah I think I think I struggle with it a little bit because I have like meta uh, thoughts about identity and about you know uh, role and stuff like that that makes it difficult for me to kind of describe myself um, succinctly. <laughs> but we have an hour, so hopefully we'll get somewhere in that time. Exactly. Um, okay, so Laurie, let's jump right in. Uh, Millie, t- take me back. Uh, we usually start here um, around the high school, college times of your career or your pathway. Um, what was happening? What were the decisions happening around then? And where did we all start off this untraditional pathway at? What a question. Um, I'm really old now, so uh, <laughs> going back into into the past. Um, in my final year of high school, 
Um, I had studied, uh, I studied New South Wales and I'd studied four units of English, which included a major work, two units of art, three units of music and two units of maths, I think, or maybe it was two of music. Um, so I kind of gone quite heavily on the art side. I did math because, uh, I kind of felt like I should. <laughs> uh, maybe I, maybe it was like an insecurity thing. I like I really wanted to prove that I could do maths, even though I was obviously very invested in the arts side. Um, and I did quite well, um, mainly on the strengths of my writing major work. Um, and I did not achieve any like top of anything. I didn't get any awards or anything. I got a kind of I think they made up this award maybe for most creative. <laughs> so uh, I left school um, thinking a lot about my options and not really sure what would happen next. But I was very interested in further study. And I had been really lucky enough in high school to, I put myself forward for um, what was essentially taking a unit of philosophy at a university. And it gave me actually like six, I think, units of university credit to study philosophy. Um, and that was really good. I, I realized I really, really liked university study. At that point, I was really interested in, I read a lot. I was writing a lot. I was um, just, you know, I just wanted to consume as much information as I could, especially in the arts where my interests lay. So I ended up doing an arts degree and I did an arts degree um, that was technically called an advanced arts degree. So it, that meant that I could fast track through um, kind of the 101 units. So when you do an arts degree, say you're studying um, like art history, you have to do some like very basic kind of overview units um, yep. and you have to do them before you do the more advanced ones. And in this degree, I, I could skip those and I could just do third year units in my first year. Um, and I focused on kind of art history, film studies and English literature in my degree. I did a couple of bits and bobs, um, did like a unit of psych and a unit of classics and stuff, but um, that was my focus. And I just kind of, I loved it actually. Um, I'm a big nerd really. And I, I loved writing essays and I loved uh, arguing with people in shoots. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and while I was doing that, I kind of just, like I'd moved out and I was doing a whole lot of odd jobs. I was, um, I worked at World Bar in Sydney, uh, which was, you know, this is thinking back to this time. Now I've been thinking really nostalgically for this, this time recently because it was just a totally different era. We put on the biggest nights. We'd have, there were like four floors in this venue with bands and DJs and it was like packed out. I um I worked as a photographer for them, so I would I would go in and I'd like I'd be that person with like the big DSLR, oh. like taking the club photos of people. Um, um, those would come and, back and haunt me my whole life. But yes, <laughs> no, you would have looked like a babe. Like I made everyone look like a babe. Um, big flash, just like all your imperfections got. We also were babes, like we were young. Anyway, <laughs> so I did that. Um, I also wrote for and like edited an online magazine that that bar ran called Throw Shapes. And I did a lot of freelance journalism. I was really into music and arts journalism. So I would like review albums and shows and I ended up taking photos at shows as well. I um, I also, brace myself, there's a lot that was happening this time. Um, 
I worked on cruise boats in the city, uh, on in Sydney Harbour. So people would go out on these like big panamarans, and um, you get on one of these boats. I'm there. I take your photo while you're on the boat, and then like you go in. I go downstairs and I print them out and I put them in a folder and I come back and I sell them to you. Um, a lot of that, and then yep. sometimes also like hens parties and stuff would come on. So. I did that. That was actually like a very lucrative gig and I have pretty good sea legs. So I just spent a lot of time on boats, especially I did daytime stuff and I did nighttime stuff. Um, that, that served me quite well for quite a long time. Um, and I was an English tutor. So I English and a couple of other things, but like high school students, um, I would basically connect with their parents and uh, through just like word of mouth referral, I, I ended up with quite a, a stable of students that I worked with and I was tutoring them with essay writing usually for their um, final exams. Um, so I'd go to their house and um, sit with them for an hour, get paid my whatever it was, like 70, 80 bucks a session and, yep. and then um, go off to the next one. And uh, I also taught music. So I taught um, the flute at my old high school um my I can't remember whether it was via I don't think it was via my flute teacher but it was I think I was just on good terms with um yeah. faculty and they had an opening for their junior school um, flute program so teaching like grade four and six girls how to uh, make a sound on an instrument and eventually you know learn pieces together and perform at their school concerts and uh, I have a photo of that actually. Yeah, get it and show you because it. it's quite funny. I think, like, um, I mean, honestly, I completely <laughs> understand the whole um, prize for the most creative. Like, this completely lines yeah. up and makes sense with everything you're telling me. <laughs> so, um, this is me uh, with my flute student. Oh my god, that is brilliant! Isn't it good? <laughs> um, so I had a few. I think I had two or three groups, but that was that was quite good as well. And uh, I don't know if there was anything else. It was probably it. And then, um, oh, yeah, every now and then I would DJ sometimes because uh, I was, like, a DJ uh, with my CDs and my CD. You know, we had CDs. And people, this maybe people watching this won't know what they <laughs> They don't um, Surely, please give me hope. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time I lived in Sydney while I was in this period, I had my little red Vespa and uh, I would scoot around. And I was just like going from gig to gig and doing my degree and lived in uh, Newtown and uh, yeah. So, so this was I, um, during I did that college, for a while. Right? Essentially during college, yeah. yeah. So between like 2006 to 2009 while I studied, that was my, that was my weird, fun, cool life. And oh. I uh, also managed to go out and party quite a lot, so... Yeah. So you're either there um, photographing the people year. or the one being the photographed. I like it. It's a good mix of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it was there that was um, what had happened at that point, like after I finished my degree and it was like 2009. Remember, this is also the GFC has just hit. Yep. And um, suddenly kind of the opposite to what's happening now, like people are starting to get fired places like people are getting let go because um like just the money isn't as good as it used to be and like you know for, for reasons you might not be able to comprehend you know I didn't comprehend like that I think like the bar the people who own the bar that like employed me through this publication and stuff had other investments maybe that weren't working out and then they had to consolidate and um they ended up 
like that role kind of finished up which was like not my whole life but one part of it and um and I also kind of had gotten to the point then that I was like this has been fun but I think it's time to get a real job um I'd never worked full-time at that point um so I thought um it would be something that I should kind of try um and I started to there's like one funny connection piece here which is that um I worked for um a street press publication in Sydney called The Brag and or it might have been through a different one actually but I was sent on this <laughs> um, journey it was on a train called the Bacardi Express and it was sponsored by Bacardi and it went from like Queensland down the coast all the way down to Melbourne I think and it was with all these bands and so like the there was like a carriage of the train that was like for jamming and like hanging out with these bands. And these are bands that like probably no one knows now, but they were really big at the time. And um, we, me and a whole bunch of other journalists were invited on to be part of this journey. So we go with them the whole way and we were supposed to like document it. Um, I think probably the majority of us did not turn in anything because we were so drunk on Bacardi the whole time (laughs) that everything was just lost in the sands of, of Bacardi time um, but I met um, I met Georgia Francis King who's now a really good friend of mine and um, she lived in Melbourne and she ended up referring me to a job that was going in Melbourne in, with a street press magazine in Melbourne and she was like just apply you can move to Melbourne and at that time I was like why not <laughs> so I applied and I got the job and I moved to Melbourne and that was my first full-time job was being the arts and online editor and associate or assistant music editor for Beat Magazine, which is a street press magazine that I think still exists in Melbourne. And I moved to um, Brunswick and the office was in Cremorne and I did that for um, probably about a year. I love that. And I think even just looking back, like I think all the mix of like odd jobs and stuff running around different places. if your college experience doesn't have that where it's just like a bunch of random things that you've tried I feel like you're missing out a little bit like and I think it's just so many as well I remember when um so the last episode that's probably up is my own one where my sister interviewed me for this I was like oh right that's oh. might as well do this um and we finished the whole thing and she's like oh gosh you never talked about all the stupid jobs you did like you should and I was like I forgot <laughs> like as it it genuinely like I never appreciated what it's like being the actual interviewee of like actually going through things and remembering all the different bits Mm. it is very different so I'm like very glad you did it but yeah it's so interesting those jobs make such a big difference and I think have definitely like easily a bigger part of who I am now than the degree ever was like a hundred percent but yeah I love that and I think those small connections make a very big impact as we go on so what and I still think about them yeah exactly like it's just I mean they're easily my fondest memories like chatting to and like this old woman that used to come in like this elderly woman um to buy her makeup every Saturday morning and she'd kind of come in and we'd just have a 20 minute chat like every two weeks that was it and I was like I love this (laughs) but right so we've been here a year and we're at being an editor now so what's next what's happening so I have two things happen one is um I've come into this job essentially mainly doing writing, a little bit of editing with the kind of online publication. And my dream was really to, um, you know, follow this creativity, like do what I loved. And what I found working for a print 
media organization, um, especially in this business model where the magazine was free, was that it wasn't really what I wanted at all. It wasn't fun. It actually yeah. was very administrative work. Um, and I didn't have, and I wasn't supposed to really spend a lot of time kind of editing, to be honest. Like it was like the copy just needed to be in and I need to make sure it was like free from spelling errors and stuff. But there wasn't like, it wasn't the kind of highbrow publication where I was going like back and forth and like shaping the work or anything. Like it was really like, you know, just like get something out there and we had to publish every week, weekly turnarounds. So yep. uh, there were a lot of long deadlines to get these this publication out every week. And um, yeah, it was it was intense. And it also was not, yeah, like it was, there were great skills to learn, but they were not like what I thought it would be at all. Like the yeah. scales kind of fell from my eyes and I was <laughs> like, oh, wow, this is like, you know, a reasonably low paid, very intense job. I think I was only like 37K or something Yeah. Um, to, to work my butt off, <laughs> really. Um, so that was happening. The other thing that was happening was I was quite unwell. So I had actually been diagnosed in high school with um, ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune disease, um, where essentially like your large intestine is affected. And I was quite sick in high school. Like I was in hospital maybe three or four times, I ended up getting like special points on my final exams because I was in hospital during my final year. And um, I was kind of just like dealing with it with medication. It was very up and down. Like I'd get flare ups, but then it would settle down. And after I moved to Melbourne and I um, did this job, it just got really, really bad. Um, and it got so bad to the point that I had to take myself to hospital um, for what ended up being emergency surgery. So I like I knew that this surgery was something that I had to consider. They tried to kind of get me to consider it when I was younger. And um, at the time, as like a 16 year old, I was like, well, no, I can't like that's yeah. like I just couldn't get my head around it because um, it's a very intense surgery. Um, but at this point, I was what, like 21. And um, the doctors basically said, you know, like, you're out, of, you're out of options, like, this is it. In fact, if you keep going with the medication that you're on, um, which was like a combination of things, but included quite a lot of um, prednisone, which is like a corticosteroid, um, they're like, you risk actually just having huge problems with the side effects from the medication, which could include like, cancer you know like I was already I already had osteoporosis like all, all sorts of things sorry if this is taking like a dark turn <laughs> but it's no, important I mean, it's, it's a part of life and this is kind of the whole point of like of looking life. behind the life and the decisions and why they're made and the decision was based on health and I think it's very important to talk about yeah. that so I um yeah I was I was pretty I was pretty sick I remember going to the hospital um, my parents were actually overseas at the time, which was very unfortunate. Um, but it was one of these moments where like, I knew that this was my decision to make for my life. And like, it was really, no one else could make this decision for me. And sometimes you have these moments where you're like, like, I can't phone this one in. Um, and I had to, I had to decide. I, I was so, I was in so much pain at this point that like, when I presented to hospital, they put me on a morphine drip. So I was yeah. like, I was, yeah, I was, I was well, well, well gone. Um, so I decided to do it and it was a, a very major surgery. So what ended, what, what we ended up doing, um, I might, <laughs> they removed my entire large intestine. So I do not have one now. Oh, wow. Um, and they use part of your small intestine to reconstruct 
what is called a J pouch. So it's kind of like, I have like a replacement organ um, that is kind of like a bladder, but in your gut, really, it's like a, a pouch, internal. Um, and it was a three-part surgery. So the first surgery, they removed my large intestine entirely. And then the small intestine is essentially like, I have I had an ileostomy. So that means my, it, the end of my small intestine had been brought to my skin and I had a bag on the outside and I had that for eight months. Then the second surgery, they um, reconnected essentially my insides. So they had, they had kind of, it was, if you think about it like plumbing, they kind of like put me back together again. And then the third, the third surgery was the takedown surgery. So the external thing got put back and connected in. And then I was, I was Good just like a, from the outside, looked like an old yeah um i had a pretty serious complication with the first surgery because i was so so sick um had a really bad infection and that ended up being um quite a drama but uh yeah when i was in hospital and well, when i went to hospital essentially like the place i was working couldn't continue to employ me which was very obviously upsetting but like not really even my biggest priority at that point um, and fair enough, like as a small business, they were just like, well, like we can't yeah. kind of just pay you to be off work for like a year and a half, which makes sense. Um, and it was, you know, there's kind of like the before surgery times and the after surgery times in my life. And while I was recovering, um, I had a lot of time to think about what was going to be next for me. Um, and the recovery was, you know, it was like a year and a half, two years of, of recovery, there was a, a long period, like, you know, after the first surgery where I was like learning to walk again and like it was it was all a big, a big deal. So yeah. um, my partner at the time who I had met at the publication was the guy who made the website and he and I had been collaborating a lot and he was like, well, I've got my own little company, which at the time was I think only like maybe three people and I was like the fourth person. He was like, why don't you come and like help us? And it was really like non-specific. It was like help us somehow. Um, and it, you know, for a long time, it was like handling customer support and stuff like that. And then eventually it became, there was a moment where he said, can you fix this? It's really easy. And I was like, I don't really know what you're talking about. He was like, it's just CSS. And I was like, I don't know what CSS is. And he was like, well, Google it. <laughs> and so I Googled it. And, um, and that was the first time I wrote any code. I did it completely wrong and I did not know what Git was. So it got overridden the next time that uh, production was deployed, but I did it. I fixed it in some way. And, and then that was the start of me kind of learning um, code, which was huge. That is, oh, that is a, like, I've had, like, I can't remember who did that. Um, which is terrible. Last year I used to be able to be like, oh, this episode had this and this was exactly it. It's gone, <laughs> completely gone out of my brain. But someone on one of the episodes definitely had that. And I think it's like, it's definitely a pattern, right? Where it's like someone in your life is very into coding or is like really involved with it and will like be like, just just give it a shot. Like it's not hard. Yeah. Because it does seem like it's quite hard, right? I mean, it's the same with my sister. I'm just like, give it a try. Just go try it. Like she was a person who'd be like, Python, that's a snake. <laughs> Like, please open your eyes a little bit I know you know more than this um but yeah it is such an interesting point where like someone around you you're like just and I love the fact that like you're like no no just go google it because so much of it is just there's so much good content out there it works it's a perfect answer yeah yeah it, like and it was googleable and um 
you know, it was a different, it was definitely a different time online to what it is now. There's even more available now, right? And now you could like go and do a course on Udemy or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with a combination of like encouragement, self-directed learning and, and review from, from, from him and the other people in the company, um, I was able to kind of build this career. And, you know, like the biggest thing about it that was, um, I think, the probably the biggest challenge was the idea of starting from zero. So like I had gotten to the point where I'd like done a lot of writing, fair amount of editing. I'd gotten this good job at this publication. I was like, oh, this is my career. And then kind of having to say goodbye to that career and start a new one from the ground, being quite bad at it as well. Like I was good at writing and I was good at editing. I was bad at coding. Like, oh, I don't like the feeling of being bad at something. Um, but it kind of convinced me in the end when I realized that like the thing that I was looking for at this last job that I couldn't find, which was the creativity, I actually found in coding. Yeah. And I found not only creativity, but a combination of like um, kind of problem solving creativity, which I love. But also I really found that um, the more objective nature of technology was really um comforting in a way for me there was something about working in writing in the arts where it was like is this good writing or not good writing like it's kind of just up to someone to decide and that might be me it might be someone else but it's like very subjective like do you like it do you not like it are you like a celebrity in the scene are you not like all of it, it was very fuzzy like how to be successful in that world yeah whereas there was something very um rewarding about writing code and either it runs or it doesn't and if it doesn't run, you can go and find out why it's not running and you can make it run. And obviously it's not that simple, but there was something about that objectivity that I really like. Um, and then combining that with the, the puzzle solving, um, even if the combination of those two things, I mean, you spent three days looking for a rogue semicolon. I was, uh, that was right for me at the time. And it kind of got me interested um, in, in the possibilities of, of working in that space. I don't think that rogue semicolon is something that every single person in tech has faced. And if they haven't, they're lying. Like, that's an absolute lie. There's no way. Like, <laughs> the amount of hours I'll spend trying to fix it. And I'm like, but like, it's just like that high is just so rewarding. And we've definitely, I've talked about this, like, like getting it working. I'm like, oh my God, oh, those hours were worth it. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm back in those hours. And I'm like, was it, was it actually a question? Was it worth it? But like, it's a loop and it works while it does. And it's great. And I think I, it's really interesting you talk about that problem solving and creativity because so over Christmas, um, over the holidays just gone, I picked up a sewing machine because it was on sale on Boxing Day. It was a really good sale yeah. too. It was like $400 or something, just like a hundred bucks. And I was like, you know what? Why not? <laughs> Cause I'd kind of flippantly said that to my mom where I was just like, gonna, she's like, oh, I need to buy this. I'm like, so literally like two pieces of like fabric sewn down the side like I could do, like it's so easy like just a kind of a flipping thing and I'm like maybe I could like maybe I, and I found that it's exactly the same in my head as coding where it's like hmm. all these different pieces they need to join together in a certain way and if I do it this way it'll look like this but if I do it this way it'll look like this and if I join them inside out that's what looks better and it's like all these different pieces yeah. of it where it's exactly the same to me in code and I'm like I never thought about coding as like a problem solving like in that context of like it's almost like a puzzle like that's exactly what it works yeah. um but yeah it's a whole new discovery for me recently like the last two weeks have been like oh this is it this is how my brain actually computes code apparently it's the same as sewing <laughs> 
Yeah, and and the other things like precision, uh, attention to detail, sequencing, reading instructions, um, problem solving, like a complex thing. So like, is it the needle? Is it the 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 spool? Like, is it the pedal? Like, it's yeah, plugged in. Like, it's deep like breaking right? it down, but one by one. Like yeah, exactly. It really works. Um, but yes, sorry, coming back to this. So you've now started coding. So is this where the dev part comes into play? Like you're fully going into yeah, code? Yeah, so this is, is it... where I'm like, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> all I was going to say was like, is it fully self-learning, um, kind of self-directed learning, or is there more how you, how did you learn to code essentially was where that question was going, I think. Um, yes, how did I learn to code? Uh, very much Google it and, yep. and see. Um, I didn't do any courses um and I, I was very, you know, in a lot of ways, very lucky to be around the people who I was around who had learned in the same way. And um, it was new to me. I actually did not, like, I'd obviously taught myself things in the past. Like, I'd taught myself how to, to do photography and um, I, I taught myself, you know, how to write fiction, which I was really into. And, um, you know, I, I'd done some of that, but I'd never taught myself something really technical like this. And um, I think I had, I think about it, I've used this metaphor with other people and I still think about, about this. I really didn't know that it was a way to learn actually. And I think um, I kind of had assumed that like people who worked in tech, like a lot of people do, um, I had assumed that people who work in tech had done computer science degrees and or were somehow otherwise qualified through a system or institution Um, and the idea that there were all these people working making websites for people um, who pretty much had just like graduated from the school of Google um, was I mean like I kind of knew I had been an online person for a long time right like I am like a proper nerd, like I, I had customized my spaces, I'd made my custom live journal theme. I, you know, was was a, a deviant art, Neopets, AIM, IRC kind of type of nerd. And I'd done, I'd, I'd, I'd had, I'd made some GeoCities websites, I'd kind of dabbled, but there's no part of me that ever thought that that could be my job, like that yeah. that could be my career, because I just thought that this was like, well, obviously I'm just like a dabbler, like I'm not, I'm not a real professional and the big realization for me was that there is like a there is a pathway there is a door for dabblers which is like dabble harder and and eventually dabble for money and and I actually didn't know not only did I not know I could open that door I didn't know that door existed and so it took for someone to actually just say like hey there's that door over there you can consider like you could open it for me to even like get into the mindset of this being something that I could take more seriously. So um, it, this was where I started to, yeah, engage with it, go through the kind of identity forming, um, kind of identity forming on two on two sides. One was after surgery, I was no longer sick, which was amazing. So yeah. I was no longer a sick person. I was now essentially like a recovering slash well person, which was new to me and I had to learn to adjust to. And then I was no longer thinking of myself as a writer and I was thinking of myself as essentially like a, a person getting into tech, a um, person working in technology. And, um, and yeah, and so that was a, a big shift, is the biggest shift probably for me in my career. 
Um, and we, we worked on just like all sorts of different projects. Um, I worked on, uh, like mental health first aid and like near my national and, and, you know, these quite important projects worked on some strange projects. I worked on a like amazing website for an author who wrote like, um, uh, like self-help kind of discovering your sexuality kind of books. She was amazing. I, I specifically remember it is her whole, whole website was just raw HTML. Yeah. Um, and that was part of the gig. Like that you just had to deal with it. She didn't have money to redo it. Um, she, I remember liaising with her about her new book that she had launched and she wanted me to make this page for it. She'd give me the copy and the picture of the book and I put it all together. And she was like, can you make the book um, like kind of throb? And I was like, hmm. And I like didn't really know what that meant. And so I was like putting together all these animations in Photoshop, like how to make this thing like look throbbing. And she was like, mm, can it throb faster? And I was like, wow, this is quite a job. Um, <laughs> Uh, but primarily we focused on Drupal, so um, CMS stuff, and I ended up working on a lot of Drupal sites and getting quite good at Drupal. I spoke at some Drupal conferences, and um, in particular, Drupal has a, a theme system, um, which was what I was quite interested in developing. And I, I worked um, I worked in that space for a while, and that really got me interested in, um, well, it was called theming then, and now it's probably really front-end development. So it got me kind of interested in the space of, like, not only how to make things look good, but how to make them, um, it was essentially like design systems that we were working on. So a theme is like a custom, a set of building blocks. Um, yeah. And that became my focus from there. So I started to move towards the front end side of things. But I was, you know, it, Drupal is a PHP system. So I was in, I was a PHP dev and I was, you know, we were using Vagrant and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'd, I'd done a little bit of, of everything, um, but my interest was really in theming, um, SAS at the time, um, and then what you know eventually turned into the world of like um, React and, and stuff. Oh, perfect! I think I mean I think it was so great when you talked about like the doors and stuff of like not even knowing they exist, and that was kind of like the premise behind the whole podcast and stuff. Where I was like, I know there are so many people who've had like weird career shifts, right? And I mean, at the stage where I was like, oh my god, yeah, like I did maths, and I'm like ended up in data science literally like the most classic pathway into it at this stage I think there's no like easily like almost every data scientist I know is like done a master degree or something like that right it's not mm -hmm. uncommon it was just uncommon to me because everyone I surrounded by was not like that and I was like oh like am yeah. I am I unique I was not um, <laughs> but I was like there's definitely other unique people <laughs> who've had these and they'll be great to talk to um and it's interesting that like it's, it's I still get people being like I never knew that was a thing and I'm like I mean this is also like the bubble part of things right like I'm in a bubble where I'm like yeah. constantly talking to people like like yourself or other people who've been and I get this question a lot where they're like how do you find all these people to like talk to like where do you find the guests and I'm like great question it's just a lot of like internet stalking I'm not gonna lie like they're there they're everywhere it's not hard to find these people to come up like and yeah. chat to me it's just more have they got the time to do it because they're usually willing to do it <laughs> um but yeah I think it's really interesting it's like a highlight to be like it's here like we're here we're more than welcoming I swear we're happy to have you kind of a, like opening end of things yeah um and yeah and then like fully diving in like all oh, the conferences bit it gets me I'm just like yes you know when you're like at a conference and I'm like no I made it like I can, I can like be here and like talk about this and people will listen <laughs> yeah it's interesting um the the community thing was actually a really big part of it 
and um and part of why like I didn't know about the door was because I didn't know anyone who worked in tech and like no one who I'd gone to school with had done it and like no one who I'd ever met had done it so like it was completely new to me and then once I was in um you got to remember this is also like 10 12 years ago now right so it was a very different world like we didn't we weren't anywhere near as kind of crazily connected as we are now um and and there wasn't really like there wasn't there weren't even as many people working in tech to be honest and I was I was the only woman at the company for a long time I was the only woman I know I knew who was working in tech um, and so the reason why I started to go out to meetups and conferences was because I was looking for more data points. I was looking for more community and more people to meet and and more of a sense of like, where could I go? Because like, it's really great to be, I've learned how to write code and starting to like, feel like I'm getting better at this. But then, then the question was started to arise was, well, like what, what happens next? And yeah. I really, I had no role models and I, I no one local to me really was, available so when i started to go out to these meetups and and um conferences the first conference i pitched for i only did so because someone who i had met through my work so we worked with some other agencies and um she donna benjamin who was also still a friend of mine and i had worked together she um thought i was good and um she was part of the drupal open source community so um and she i think she probably still is and she encouraged me to submit a talk and i was like i haven't even been to a tech conference like what is a what is a talk and she kind of mentored me through that and um my talk was accepted and i did this talk and i felt like a complete weirdo like i was like i had no idea how to calibrate it do i know stuff do i not know stuff it was it was, it was the weirdest experience um but it went well and after that, I started doing more community stuff because I'd gotten good feedback and people liked it. And um, yeah, I'm aware that like it's 4.51. We've only got to like essentially my first job in tech. <laughs> it's just, I'm like fascinated by it all, to be honest. I'm like, all these, like I'm like listening to her and I'm just like, oh, that's such a good fit. Like, that's perfect. Like a teaser. There's like so many good bits to like snip out as well. I'm just like in my head, I'm like, this is going so well. <laughs> I'm happy to keep talking. But yes, okay, so we've, this is the first job, we're kind of like fully succeeding at it, like, is this where, and you're moving towards the design stuff a little bit more, because I mean, front-end yeah. design, whichever bit we want to focus towards, um, yeah. was this where, like, I mean, is there a new job change coming, what's happening next? Yeah. So what happens next is, like, we've actually, in this um, little agency, it's kind of grown a bit, we've hired some people, I've started kind of managing people a little bit, I was like the lead, um, and then... The two guys, the one who was my partner at the time and his, like, best mate, essentially, his mate um, decided he was also a musician um, and he decided that he wanted to really follow that thread of his life. So he um, moved to London and is now, like, a successful producer or something in London. Um, Good on him. And But because he decided to follow that, um, it was, like, kind of calling it quits on the the agency they wrapped it up basically so um they let go everyone who they had employed and and then we and then we all kind of went our separate ways um and i ended up going to work for one of our biggest clients who was a startup called equium in the prop tech sector so um 
using similar technologies and stuff, but a bigger company. Um, I had kind of had the the um, the good fortune of being there, watching them as the company really grew from being like just a couple of people to hiring more and more and like becoming this little team. And when I joined, they had like already a, a reasonably established dev team at that point. And I, I kind of joined as a, a front end dev. I don't even know if it was officially my title, but that was what I focused on. And then while I was at Equium, um, I was doing a lot of work with their designer who was actually, more, well, he was really a marketing kind of focused designer. And so he would be handing me designs for like the interfaces were all really like beautiful high fidelity designs, very aesthetic. And I would be kind of, as you do as a front end, I was kind of like, oh, this isn't possible. Or like, can we change this and, and figuring stuff out? And he eventually was like, you know, maybe you should train to be a designer because you seem to know a lot about this. And I I was interested, but um, not sure really what that meant. And um, I they they paid for me and very, very good when this can happen, um, when you can kind of make the transition through a, a workplace. But they paid for me to study at General Assembly. So I did a part-time UX design course there. And um, like, I was I was pleased to find out that a lot of what you know it was about I had already kind of somehow learned I just didn't know the right words for like in in my time with especially at the agency I I started doing a lot of these things and having a lot of these thoughts and then there was a, a bunch of techniques and and things that I I learned and um I had the good fortune of working with George Cockrell who taught me <clears throat> in that course and. And I met a few other interesting people who've all gone to have very illustrious careers. And um, yeah, it really, that was really a great, a great moment for me to discover this discipline of UX design. And and um, and I could see kind of the first time like a path forward for myself that made sense to me. And the biggest thing that um, made sense to me was that it kind of combined my technical skills that I had learned over the last five years or whatever with these other skills from my past life like the creativity and the um the you know i used to be a journalist I used to interview people for a living like all of these things started to like come together and i was like oh there's like a way to weave my true selves together and that was really exciting for me oh i love that oh my god i think like finding that bit where everything fits is so weird like i mean yes there's jobs where you're like oh i can do this this is great it's a good fit for what it is right now but finding that one where it's just like you bring your whole self to it and everything just it's like a whole new level and you're like oh I, I'm right now I'm like I fit in <laughs> this is great yeah 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 it, it made it it made tech make sense like I still for many years after that did do kind of combination roles where I did um kind of writing code stuff as well as doing design and research stuff um and I still think it's kind of one of the things that is um, a strength for me is that I have that technical background and I now have like a very strong um, discipline of design and, and product and, and now kind of management stuff. Um, but having that diversity in my skill set, I think, is really, really important, especially given the way that teams work now, which is very cross-functional. So to um, enable collab collaboration between different people, like it's really good to be able to kind of speak all their different languages and and that's kind of what I can do now which is um which is a cool skill to have. yeah exactly like joining everyone else as well as everyone. I think 
when things just work so well like that we're just like i understand what you're saying and where you're coming from and this is how we can do it so great (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like a translator sometimes um and and i think it that's very my personality like i'm i'm very much a mediator kind of style person i like that like especially knowing that like everything makes such a difference um because i remember um right before so the first job that i uh, the full-time my first like graduate job and stuff which was in melbourne um at redifo which is like a software development company and i remember before any interviews or anything happened like what i thought the position would be in my head was like oh maybe i could be because like i'm like I'm, I'm not in tech like i don't code i did a maths degree i literally wrote theorems on paper like from a chalkboard that our professor wrote it in. like we didn't even have like tech in like college like it was nothing like that so it was just like okay cool and my head I was like I can talk to people like that's my skill like I always like I can chat like that is what I can do um and like what I fully thought that role was like I was like oh maybe I can go pitch the fact that I'm like hey like you've got all these tech people and like you've got business people I can be the person that chats to everyone and be like connecting um I went in and realized they were one of those like I mean it was very different I haven't really seen it somewhere since they were like our consultants are our tech people like you do both and I was like oh oh no <laughs> like where do I fit in now <laughs> what I imagined this role to be was completely gone but yeah I mean it worked everything worked itself out but it's just it's really funny looking yeah. back now where I'm like oh oh no <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and I'm sure what you found was that your communication skills were valuable it's still no what I do what exactly role, and right? I do it more than ever now let's be real yeah. <laughs> but yes <laughs> Yeah. So what's happening next? So we were now we've done the degree, the degree, the course, uh, whichever course, way you want to yeah. put it. Yeah. Um. So we're now yeah. doing a lot more UX stuff. Um. Yeah. Are we fully starting to step away from uh, Dev now, like more into the like leading stuff and managing as well at the same time? Yeah. So I went from being kind of the UX designer to being the UX lead, and I hired some UX designers in, and I I was um kind of running the UX, building the UX discipline at this company and I was doing design sprints and design systems and commissioning research projects and, you know, assigning people to stuff. That was good. It was, it was interesting. Um, I, I ended up moving on from that position and um, I was, honestly, I think I was a bit burnt out and um, I, what did I do after that? I think I went and worked at um oh yeah I, I think around that time I had met Laura who you've interviewed um Laura and I had crossed paths at maybe some UX conferences and then we'd also cross paths at the yoga studio that we went to together in the city uh <laughs> move and I can't remember how we figured out that we'd known each other from both but we uh did and we realized that we had shared interest in both uh UX design and yoga and I think it was at a conference it was like at a UX Australia conference or something that I got to chatting with her um and she was kind of um I think oh I'd, I'd done a little job in between working at a um a content strategy agency called Weave um, who I'd worked with previously they were one of the collaborators from my agency land and um that wasn't quite right for me either like it was just a bit um, I wasn't really doing enough of the UX stuff that I wanted to do. Um, and I chatted to Laura and she was working at Clover and Clover was a fintech startup also based in the city. And, uh, she was like, oh, like I kind of need some help coming and help me. 
And so I came in and um, I contracted for them um, and then eventually transitioned to an employee there, which was a UX engineer role. So both Laura and I were kind of doing this where it was like a combination of UX design and research and also front end React stuff. Um, and at the same time, I had started to noodle around with the idea of maybe starting my own company. So um, I worked with Clover, I think three or four days a week. And then my partner and I, um, the same guy, we were kind of trying to figure out how we could make our own product. And so we were starting to try and figure that out together. Um, and we were working on a, an idea, which was a, a project estimation tool using Monte Carlo simulations to try and provide pretty high fidelity estimates. Um, and and that was kind of where we, we were at with it. And I was really like developing the product idea, um, doing the research and, and product market fit, lean strategy stuff, but also um, I was learning a new technology. So I was learning two, two new te technologies at the same time. One was doing React stuff um, and the other was doing ClojureScript and Poplon on this um, on this tool, which was uh, functional programming, which was a totally new deal for me at the time. But, um, you know, I'm still a big fan of functional programming. I think it's amazing. Um, so I was, yeah, writing ClojureScript, which is Clojure um, kind of with a JavaScript layer rather than a, a node layer. Um, so it's for front end stuff. Um, and yeah, I was working with the team at Clover and the team at Clover were amazing. It was um, probably the most high performing team I've ever worked with. Um, uh, everyone there was superstar and it was only a small team, but it was like, it was just vibes. It was so good. We were achieving so much stuff. Um, yeah, that was awesome. Probably the, the best team I've ever worked with. Oh, I love that. Oh my God. Um, and also like, I didn't, I mean, I knew you and Laura had worked together, um, but I didn't realize you knew each other that well. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Sorry, for context, Laura <laughs> Summers um, has now runs her own AI ethical, uh, ethical AI startup and stuff. So check her out. I will link it somewhere in here um, about yeah. her own episode. Oh, such a great episode as well. Uh, but that's brilliant we should all just go do yoga someday this is perfect like one day when things totally. are like normal i love this <laughs> <laughs> um yes yeah, so we ended up i think we finished up at clover at around the same time um and then after that i oh i had been doing other stuff so um i'm kind of back in like almost a similar mode to like i was at the start i like started to pick up some like side projects and stuff we were working on this product, but I was also kind of doing like consulting stuff. We actually set up two different businesses. And so I was doing a bit of, um, you know, helping other people out with various tech bits and bobs. And um, one of, <laughs> yeah, in, in terms of like funny pathways into things, I had um, been a, approached by someone who I'd met back in agency land to do a talk at the Melbourne PHP meetup about user experience design. And it was really like, when you're doing talks about user experience for designers, you're preaching to the choir. And this was really about like, let these PHP devs know what UX is so they can value it more. Like it's like a bridge building exercise. And I, I was really into that. I liked the idea of like um, advocacy, you know, and, I, and especially cross-functional advocacy. So I, yeah. I, I did it. Um, I can't remember what the talk was about. and. There was a, a guy in the audience who just thought I was it was great. He was like, Oh, well, we really need that. And he got in touch with me afterwards and he said, Can you come in and like talk to um 
you know, the, the boss at my business, we really need someone like you. Um, and I think we can make it work. And that business was estimate one. Um, and estimate one is a construction industry technology platform. And so I ended up working, um, for estimate one after Clover because they were kind of, um, yeah, like a, it was just like the right transition. And, um, that was a really great experience as well. Also an amazing. I love, I mean, I think those kind of things are like, it's one of those, like it's meant to be. Um, I've realized I used to be like, oh, like, I know what it sounds like. I've just, I'm like, no, do you know what? I believe it. This is it. Like, <laughs> this is the year where I'm just like, <laughs> apparently I believe in manifestations and this is who I am now. It is, it will be what it'll be. Um, I mean, I'm not in the wishy, not in the wishy-washy sense, but like if you put, like manifest something like properly ideate and goal stuff out, like why would it not happen? Like you're already thinking about it. Of course it's going to happen. Um, but those kind of things, like, I mean, I've definitely been at meetups and stuff where I'm presenting and like someone will come up and be like, oh, we need, and I'm just like, oh my God, is this, what in the name of God? Like how did that, it works so well. And I think yeah, this kind of goes back to that whole networking part, right? A lot of people don't think of, um, and it's, I, I find it so fascinating. A lot of people don't consider speaking at events and things like that networking. Mm. They're like, mm. if you go to an event with the intention of meeting other people, that's networking. But putting your own brand out there being like, I can do this kind of stuff is not like, how, like it's not in the same way for some people. And I'm like, mm. interesting. Here we go. Perfect example of really mm. where he said. <laughs> yeah. Um, estimate one were a really cool team. Um, and I, I essentially, I contact, I contracted for them. Um, and I was mentoring a kind of more junior designer there and working, um, some various bits and bobs i was very lucky to join them at a very specific point in time where they were working on finishing this big like whole company goal of like heaps and heaps of sales or something you know it was just a big everyone the energy was super high they achieved this goal and i'd like kind of come in right at the end and they were like we're going to celebrate by sending everyone to waiheke island in in new zealand and i was like yay good for you and he was like no no no, you're coming and i was like oh, what <laughs> so i got this like cool trip uh which was uh wild and awesome um and uh yeah and then i, I kind of worked with them for a while I, I worked with some really amazing people um including some uh a consultant from cogent who um really kind of introduced me to some strategic product thinking stuff um and uh yeah and so that was it was a, it was a great role um yeah at the same time my um like my relationship was kind of ending and, and, um, but it was, you know, I had this role at least and, and that was something that could be stable for me. So I, um, it was kind of a, a little life raft for me and, um, a, a good also kind of my first introduction to leadership too. So I was really part of the leadership team there and went to their leadership offsite and did some proper leadership management training, which was cool. Um, and yeah, it was a really fun team. I love that. I think it's just like, so much fun, like the whole time. I think it's one of those like, it's it sounds like one of those roles where a lot of things that you want to be taking steps into, like oh this might be next, it lines itself up already, and you're like okay this I'll just yeah. I'll experience it. This will be great. Like I'll learn as I go. It'll be perfect. Um, and I think those roles are so invaluable. Like really, like you just yeah. can't say enough about them. It sounds perfect. Yeah, especially when you're around people who are also very, like it's a learning culture, and this was a culture that was really um you know benefited from some incredible people who had you know a passion from for learning and growth and and the whole you know it's one of the benefits of startups is that you get a lot of that and um it was very i felt very lucky to be included in that 
Um, and then, and then hilariously, my next job also came about in a very funny way um, in that I had uh, done an interview for a different podcast. Um, and after the interview, um, the guy who interviewed me was like, oh, I actually run a company and you sound amazing. Can you come and work for me? Uh, <laughs> and I was like, weird. Uh, is this a scam? Um, and it wasn't. So I went to work for them for a <laughs> I love that thought of like, sure that this is scam. Like this is just like junk email. Move along. <laughs> like I don't do that for like the role I'm in right now. Like in my head when I first read the thing, and I was like, they're looking at the wrong person. Move along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that was cool. Um, and they were another startup. They worked in uh, Reddit within customer experience technology. Um, and I ended up reconnecting with Laura actually while I was there and, and Laura came and worked for me there as well. So I was director of product and design there, which was like the biggest, coolest role I've had to date. So um, it was very exciting. Um, and yeah, now we're getting close to like modern day as well, which is cool. So we've actually made it to, uh, you know, when we, <laughs> this would be in like 2017. Um, so I only worked at Reddit for a little bit. Um, it was a really great opportunity, but um, in the end it just like, I think it was just been maybe a bit too chaos for me. And I, I, I realized that probably what I needed to do was work at a bigger company. Um, so I ended up going to work for RMIT online after that. Um, and RMIT online is kind of a subgroup within RMIT and, and their remit was innovation to try and essentially bring short courses and some of their degree courses online, which was um, obviously still really important, more important now than ever. Um, and I, I worked in that team as a senior product designer, managing some of the other designers um, and also managing a developer and a videographer, which was cool. Um, and working with learning designers who I'd never worked with before and I didn't really know much about the discipline. It's a really interesting discipline. Um, uh, and I've still got like some great connections from all of these places really. But um, yeah, the team was was very tight knit at MIT Online. Um, and I did that for about a year. And uh, the biggest thing, as anyone who's like heard this story now could probably predict this, but I was just um, not really prepared for the change of pace. So working at a university is very different to working at a startup. And I'd pretty much just done like startup up until that point. And it was it was a pretty a big shock to the system that I had gone from like, you know, like not just, you know, like three or four people. You know, some of these companies had like 50, 60, maybe more people in it. But um, just the pace of a startup, the risk taking, the um, intensity, um, creativity, innovation. Um, not that RMIT had none of it. They had some incredible people pushing the culture in that direction. Just like a lot more um, red tape, really, just yeah. to do with universities. And, and kind of as it should be, right? You don't want to be too kind of breakneck in that kind of setting um but I felt for me like I just kind of felt like I wasn't achieving anything and and I don't, I don't think that's true like I think I was achieving stuff I just like wasn't achieving it at the pace and style yeah. that I was used to um and so I ended up um yeah I ended up kind of wrapping it up there and and that's when I um, made the jump to usability hub so that was two years ago Oh, look at that. We're fully up to speed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you've done really well to get through all of that. And I am sorry that there were so many things. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it was a really good view of it all in terms of 
what each job or like what different parts brought to the table as well as kind of how it all happened and what worked and what didn't and what's happening it was a perfect like hey this is the life story I love it <laughs> which is I love hearing these I think I mean I say this all the time I think I started this like yes okay it's great to get like these kind of stories out in the world and like giving it a platform but I also think I'm just like a nosy little child I'm like oh, I love hearing about other people's stories and I think it's great <laughs> like tell me more about your life and I think it just starts <laughs> a lot of conversations that don't just come up on their own like these are kind of yeah. topics and things that won't just ever come up in a random chat with someone um, and I love yeah. hearing about it I'm like oh so many people I've met like I mean I would have I'm like yes you and Laura do yoga you're into like all these different parts of life that you never think about like will come up so I love these kind of things but thank you so much for your time and I think look honestly most episodes are kind of around the hour and I don't think you've gone too over it so this is perfect okay. it winds up really really well um but no this was such a good um chat just I mean yes it was a great episode but I think it's like the perfect episode to start the year off with because it was just like iconically pats and covered in that context of like it has everything that I was like we talk about on this so it was really really good everything from kind of like this is why this decision was made and this is nothing to do with work like this was a personal like life decision and this is why it was happening so this is very yeah. I'm very thankful for you to share all that no worries I um I think it's important and and yeah like not every decision is just work you know yeah. there's there's many different reasons why you might want to um you know go in a different direction and you know now I'm lucky enough to have had um I've, I've worked with a coach over the last two years and I've really been focusing in on um, my skills in management leadership and um that's kind of my my next direction is like the after all of that um you know kind of how can I make that all work for me and I, I think I think that's kind of what what the next step is but you know like it's it's um it's important to understand that you don't kind of just like wake up and then like one day you're a, a manager or whatever like there's like you have to do a lot of stuff and sure. have a lot of experiences and and figure a lot of stuff out and some of it you figure out yourself some of it you get help with some things you're forced to figure out some things you choose to and um yeah it's just good to know I think the most important thing is it's good to know if there's a door there and yes um if you're not sure I would recommend like going up to the wall and like knocking on it a few times anyway just because there might be a door even if it didn't oh I absolutely love that note to wrap this up on that is a perfect advice to give to anybody listening to be honest and even when there that's like if you're even already in tech there's other doors within tech that you could be knocking on go try them out I like that um, look, we'll wrap it up there for today. Uh, thank you for listening. If you've been here the whole time, I very much appreciate it. Um, if you have listened for the full hour, please consider donating to the chat, to the podcast. It's on the website. Um, it does take a lot of hours in the background, so it would be very appreciated in helping run the maintenance and stuff. Um, but thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again with another episode in two weeks. We're starting to cycle off every two weeks again for the year. But in the meantime, take care of yourselves and we'll see you soon.